New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. It is only through a change in human consciousness that the world will be transformed. The personal and the planetary are connected. As we expand our awareness of mind, body, psyche, and spirit, and bring that awareness actively into the world, so also will the world be changed. This is our quest as we explore new dimensions. My guest today knows the deep joy that springs from simply being alive. This perspective has grown out of her own struggles with stage four cancer. It's led her to explore the practice of gratefulness. And she's discovered that living with gratefulness is more than just another task to perform on the to-do list. It's an orientation to life. And Christy Nelson counsels us to avoid getting caught in the hamster wheel of life, forgetting again and again that the present moment is truly all we have, and it's both precious and fleeting. She suggests that the practice of gratefulness is a direct pathway to the qualities of mind and heart and lend themselves to our well-being as it spills over into an experience of true abundance. She can attest to the fact that grateful living adds to the stamina we need for our journey and enhances our relationship to the larger world to which we belong. Chrissy Nelson is an ambassador for the nonprofit organization Grateful Living, which is founded by the internationally beloved grandfather of gratitude and former guest of New Dimensions, Brother David Stendelrast. And from 2014 to 2022, Nelson served as its executive director. Christy Nelson has spent more than 30 years in nonprofit leadership, development, and consulting, working at the Center for Mindfulness in Medicine and the Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health and the Soul of Money Institute. Nelson is a stage four cancer survivor and is the author of Wake Up Grateful, The Practice of Taking Nothing for Granted. Join us for the next hours. We explore the many aspects of what the practice of gratefulness can bring to our lives with our guest, Christy Nelson. I'm speaking with Christy from her home by remote connection. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Christy, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you here, Chrissy. I know in your book, each chapter actually begins with a little vignette of your story. And I know that our readers would be interested in some of the details of your 
cancer diagnosis and treatment and what it led you to. Just if you could give us a little overview of your years of treatment and what they entailed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think probably the most important part of it is really how much time I spent sick and not knowing what was wrong with me. And I think that's a really common experience. You know, uh, people have so many acute and chronic illnesses that don't get diagnosed immediately. And yet we have this idea that, you know, that when something's presenting itself, that we're going to get an immediate diagnosis and then be able to get treated. And and I spent nine months, um, a lot of that hospitalized because I had fevers of unknown origin. And so I, I just got sicker and sicker. I was 32 when I first got sick. And, um, you know, it was quite an arduous journey. It was truly extraordinary. And and I would say that the most important thing for me about that uncertainty and living with that uncertainty is what I learned in that cauldron, the cauldron of not knowing, and, you know, how much comes alive for us kind of spiritually and and emotionally, psychologically, how it's like an advanced degree, you know, to be with that much not knowing for those many weeks and months and everything. So that was very important to me. And by the time I got diagnosed, I was pretty impaired. I I had the cancer had metastasized to my spine by the time they got the diagnosis right. And um, at that time, then I was not really able to walk. And so it was, it was hard. Um, it was a really hard journey. And yet, um, you know, it's one of those things that I look back on and the fact that I'm still alive is just nothing short of breathtaking to me every day, which is why I feel like I needed to write the book and why the work that I do is so important and why living my heart out loud every day as much as I can is just an imperative for me from the inside out because I know the truth that every day is unpromised and I know the truth that every day is precious. And that is so important when people really get that, how differently we live our lives when we don't take life for granted. Wow. Yes, for sure. For sure. And I I know that your approach to gratefulness, um, you suggested we don't have to have a life-threatening illness to to actually subscribe to this uh, type of living. And when you finally did start to come back to yourself and yeah. and feel like, okay, looking at your life. I think you write about this, that, that you just couldn't fathom going back to the way it used to be. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, earning a living the way you were earning a living or whatever it was you were doing in your life. And what came to you, if I understand this, uh, what came to you, you received five guiding principles. Mm-hmm. And they were, they were so lovely. And I'm just going to mention them for our listeners uh, just briefly, and maybe you can say something about it. Life is a gift was one of them. The next one, everything is surprise. That's a great one. The third one, the ordinary is extraordinary. The fourth one, appreciation is generative. I I, I just love that, and I, I hope we'll talk about that. And the last one, love is transformative. Mm-hmm. So is there any comment you want to make about receiving those or mm. what they are and what they mean to you? 
Well, and I'd love to say that I received them like as if I had some kind of, you know, amazing download from the heavens and got hit like by lightning or something. And it was a huge epiphany. But, you know, it actually was in meeting Brother David, Brother David Steinorast, who I think this is very important because he's such a profound teacher. He's a Benedictine monk, and I love that he was on New Dimensions. And he's now 97, and he's in Austria, and he's still writing, and he I just got an email from him this week. And so he's this extraordinary human being, truly. And, and he had a similar, what I call a wake-up call. So I call cancer a wake-up call for myself. And a lot of people have those. And there's ways that we can wake ourselves up um, that don't require, as you say, kind of facing death quite so immediately or intensely. And uh, and so that's what really the book is about, is how we bring that about in ourselves and live our lives without needing that hanging over our heads every day. But Brother David, um, these principles really speak to his teachings because he lived through the Second World War and when uh, in Austria they were being bombed, he would go and hide in the basements of churches and schools and with his friends and and they would hide and then they would come out after the bombs had finished falling. And he said the sky was never bluer. It was that sense of every single moment when you realize how precarious life was, how fragile and fleeting it is, that in that recognition, he experienced a kind of joy by contrast in that awareness. And, and so these principles really speak to that, or what are the things that we need to remember in order to not take life for granted? And so for him, it was that experience when he was young. For me, it was cancer when I was young. And those are really, really different experiences. And yet they have this common thread through them, which is if we choose then we can recognize that the joy that's available to us in realizing that this moment is all there is and that, you know, Brother David followed St. Benedict as a Benedictine monk. And St. Benedict says, keep death always before your eyes. That is the pathway to the deepest life of meaning, to the deepest life of joy, to the deepest life of engagement is to remember that you're mortal. And so that's where Brother David and I met, really, in that space where these five principles come alive. I love that. I love that. And as you say that, I'm reminded of a word that you repeat many Mm -hmm. times throughout the book. And it kind of surprised me. I don't think I've ever... uh, read anybody emphasizing this word, and it's poignancy. Mm. And and when you tell this story of Brother David, I'm reminded of that word because here, the bombing, he's he's holding the fear yes. of death and collapse of the buildings, and yet there's joy right there. They They kind of exist together, and that poignancy, you point out, have these kind of paradoxical pairings, so to speak. Absolutely. I think this is one of the things that a lot of people recognize. And and in our lives these days, I think there's a longing. There's a true longing. I think there's an increased longing to 
And I think that's part of why psychedelics are so important right now in our world and why people are really deeply wanting to drop into the truths of life in a way that they can hold them, recognizing that when we face the vastness, we can kind of experience ourselves differently. So there's, I, you know, I think poignancy is how I see it is this awareness of the preciousness at the same time we are aware of the fleetingness and the fragility of life. So you hold both these things at once. You treasure something and you know it's not permanent. And how do we do that? Because we've been, you know, in our culture, especially, I think we're really trained to attach ourselves to things, to think that we're entitled to them, that we can have expectations, that we are deserving, you know, however it is that we are formed, especially in more capitalist cultures and in um, societies and economic systems. And, And in the West, I think there's a very pervasive sense of we get to expect to live and we get to expect to have our lives unfold in a very particular way. And anything that happens that isn't that becomes a transgression. It's like life has betrayed us. And instead, I think there's a different way to go through life. I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Christy Nelson, and she's the author of Wake Up Grateful, The Transformative Practice of Taking Nothing for Granted. And if you want to know more about her work, you can go to her website, christinelson.net, and she spells her first name, Christy, K-R-I-S-T-I, christinelson.net. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Christy Nelson, and we're talking about grateful living and living with gratefulness as an orientation to life. And we're talking a bit about impermanence and uncertainty, and I really want to flesh that out a bit. As you say, the way our culture is set up is that, okay, we're we're supposed to know everything and and we have computer screens that you can know everything with a touch of a button. You can know the statistic of this or that or the other or all sorts of things. But in reality, uncertainty is, is pervasive, actually. 
and mm-hmm. it's the it's the reality of of life. Um, so cultivating curiosity towards uncertainty is mm-hmm. is that what we might want to select? <laughs> mm. I think it's so important. Um, this whole journey with not knowing, I think, and and there's all these things like life is unpredictable it's uncertain it's unpromised it's you know all those things are also the absence of something that we've decided is important right so that knowing is important certainty is important and predictability is important and being promised is important and the truth is i think i like to relate to it as mystery instead of uncertainty in the absence of something it's the presence of something And mystery is extraordinarily nourishing if we can allow ourselves to drop in and investigate this relationship to mystery and to what is mysterious and unknowable. And life gets so much bigger when we make a place for that in our lives and in ourselves. And I I think it scares people to really enter that relationship with uncertainty uh, knowingly and intentionally. And yet what gets delivered, people are so grateful to have to befriend that so that we're not driven. We're not always in that sense of anxiety about not knowing, right? So that, that we can be with and befriend. I love that word befriend. Mm-hmm. We can befriend that experience of uncertainty and there are certain things and times in life that bring that home really acutely. And I would say the pandemic and COVID, uh, you know, people would be interviewing me and saying, so we're in this time of such uncertainty. And, and I would say life is always uncertain. (laughs) And then we hit certain junctures that remind us that that's the truth. And it's kind of the, it's the water we're swimming in. It's the air we're walking through all the time. And we do a lot of things. I can speak to this because it's been so true for me. We do a lot of things to try to trick ourselves into believing that we have control over <laughs> everything. And it takes a huge amount of energy. It takes, it takes a kind of willfulness and a vigilance to go through life as if we can expect and predict and know and control what's going to happen to us in any moment, you know, much less a life, you know, it's like, it's, so I think there's something that's very beautiful about surrendering in a way Mm -hmm. to mystery and to allowing that to enrich our lives. And that's meditation, so many spiritual practices. I'm just thinking as you're talking, um, you do a great analogy in your writing. You said, okay, if life were a scripted movie, right. <laughs> you know, then how boring would it be? I mean, we would be sitting there watching a movie and, you know, and it would unfold. And so we would be these passive mm-hmm. observers or spectators then. So what you're talking about is really a kind of aliveness to mm-hmm. life and that it is mysterious. And what it invites could be surprising wisdom or a surprise of knowledge or or new friends that we never thought we'd meet a surprise there uh 
new ways of being. Yeah, exactly. I was just talking to Omkari Williams and and her she was talking about just sitting in a place where she was getting the tires changed on her car and she started talking to a woman next to her and they turn out now are lifelong friends and now they're in circle together and doing all this action things wonderful things yes. together. Yes. And she's a good friend of mine. Oh, <laughs> which goody. I love. Yes. So I think that's why one of these principles is everything is surprise. And and then the second part of that principle is when you open to wonder, life is abundant. Because the truth is it's curiosity, it's the exploration, it's it's all of inviting in what is unknown to us going closer to it, getting more intimate with it. And then when you use the example of the movie, you know, being already scripted and we would know, and we would basically have no role in it. It would be like everything was already written and it's the unknown, it's mystery, which holds possibility. All possibility lives in what has not yet unfolded and our unknown role in that. Right. So it's like the idea that everything is kind of already scripted and that we get comfort from that removes our responsibility also, removes our our inquiry, our curiosity, our kind of turning this way instead of that way. Um, creativity comes out of that. Oh, think of the kinds of things that come out of that. So much the questions in life that are kind of unanswerable when we sit with those what arises is also such a deep sense of interconnectedness with the rest of life. Yeah, I just I just wrote down a, a note to myself to say uh, creativity comes out of possibility, and then <laughs> you just said that it was just uh, we were right. We were thinking of the same thing at the same time. I would love for you to say something about. Um, I know that you talk about the m- miracle that our body is Mm -hmm. and how we might consider befriending our body and the number of um, forces that have to function and cooperate just to get us out of bed in the morning is just uh, incredible. So talk about the miracle of our body and how we can better befriend it. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things I like to talk about is is what are the things we most take for granted and how can living gratefully is shifting that. So gratefulness is the opposite of taking for granted. It's about being awake and alive and alert and aware and um, to all of these extraordinary things that are true within us and around us. So the body is the perfect place to practice this because we are in it every single moment of every day, no matter where we are, we're, that's our home. So even in a hospital bed, you know, even when I was tethered to intravenouses and we are incapacitated in a variety of ways or whatever, our bodies continue to be miraculous. And the breath is this anchor where we can always find the marvel because the breath is when you understand what is engaged in just taking a breath and that we breathe a thousand times an hour and we are so oblivious to it. We can hardly even imagine what it would be like to really relish 
this capacity to breathe until we lose it. And that's one of the things I'm, I really want to implore people around and myself all the time is don't wait to lose something to treasure it. Don't wait to almost lose it before you realize how valuable it is. Value it now. And there, so as you say, the body is nothing but extraordinary and miraculous. And to me, it's almost like so mind-blowing that I can hardly even begin to, there's so many facts about the body that are just amazing. And the systems that have to work in synchronicity, in collaboration, and this confluence of things that are happening in every single moment, it's art. It's glory. It's like, we couldn't invent this if we tried. What is happening? And we're born, and then we have these bodies, and we live as long as we live. And every single moment that we're alive is because our bodies are doing quite literally a million things. A million things every single day that have to go right and not go wrong for us to continue to be here. I think you mentioned um, that, uh, and I, I looked it up, uh, <laughs> 2.5 million new red blood cells happen every second. Can you even get your head uh, around that? Like, my God, that's a hell of a to-do list. Like, what? I mean, it's so just if we can allow ourselves, and what, here's my curiosity, is why do we hold ourselves back? What is it that makes us want to take all these things for granted that could really mm. just hold us in mm. awe in every moment of our lives? So it's like to really to be curious about that is also worthwhile. If you're not blown away, like David White says, if you're not um, amazed, like you're not paying attention and Mary Oliver and these amazing poets, right? The yes. poets are gifts to us because they remind us in their gorgeous eloquence and their succinctness um, and they pay attention. Uh, poetry is paying attention. So it's like, we're not paying attention if we're not in awe. We're just not awake if we're not marveling at things all the time. And the fact of just merely the fact of being here is so extraordinary. So extraordinary. And, and you remind me when you talk about the breath, going back to the breath, and it actually reminds me of a story that I lived. Um, I was invited in a mortuary and my good friend was a mortician and she said, would you like to see a cadaver? Wow. And I said, yeah, I had curiosity. Yes. So I went into this room all by myself, the embalming room all by myself. And it was uh, it was an older woman. She probably looked to be in her 80s. I had um, the experience of experiencing death in my life and mm -hmm. seeing loved ones who had died in their funerals and so forth, in their caskets, in their uh, corpse, and whatever you want to call it, their uh, their bodies in yep. death. But this time, I didn't have any sort of emotional attachment. Mm -hmm, I didn't know mm -hmm. this person. And I just sat with her. And the longer I sat with her, I had the realization that the only difference between us was that I was breathing. There you go. 
it was it was profound, Christy. It was good just for you to say yes me. to that invitation. So I I want to uh, talk about the breath as a, as a practice. Yes. So in just one moment, but I want to also remind our listeners that I'm here with Christy Nelson, and she is the marvelous author of "Wake Up Grateful: The Transformative Practice of Taking Nothing for Granted." And if you want to know more about her work, you can go to her website, christynelson.net, and she spells her first name K-R-I-S-T-I, christynelson.net. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Christy Nelson, and she's the author of Wake Up Grateful. And I wanted to talk about the breath. I consider it our portable altar, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I know that you have, I believe, received from Brother David Stendlerast a practice called Stop, Look, Go. Mm-hmm. Am I correct? In, in yes. How, yeah. Yes. And and in that first part of the practice, the stop practice, I thought it was so significant that you mentioned what helps us to stop is to get in touch with our breath. I'd love for you to elaborate on that. Yes. Thank you. Well, stop is what allows us to get present, right? So that presence is everything and being just being here fully as much as we can. And the breath is this exquisite, it's like a metronome, right? It's like this, if you want to think about something that is rhythmic and ever present with us. And I, I personally, so I do a breathing practice where I place my hand right here underneath my clavicle. And I love this feeling like when I speak, when I breathe, I can feel my heartbeat. There's something that's so important about grounding with the breath. So Brother David says, it's enough to be grateful for the next breath. Mm-hmm. So therefore, the breath can be this beautiful anchor because it is, as you say, from, from just what we were just talking about, there is the difference between life and death is the breath, Period. The breath is what will stay with us right past the heartbeat, past anything. It is what carries us through life in every single moment. And so there's something about not taking it for granted. And that's why meditation so exquisitely anchors us in the inhale and the exhale and the observing and the being with and the attending to the breath, the inhale and the exhale. And so just stop. And it's just, it can be a simple, simple pause. And just look, yeah. Well, I want to say about the simple pause, uh, I think it was just yesterday, I was speaking with my teammate and engineer, Lou Judson, and I was telling him, oh, Lou, I am so overwhelmed. I am just, I'm beyond, beyond. And I was just, I I really was (laughs) technologically 
challenged in the moment and just absolutely off the charts. And we all have those moments where we're mm-hmm. challenged like that. It just comes on like immediately and we just feel, wow, we're just beyond being able to cope. Yeah. And so that practice, if we can remember to do that, and, and I'm I'm watching you. You have your hand on your heart. I have my Always. hand on my heart. <sighs> Just take that deep breath. It changes our whole physiology, doesn't Everything. it? Everything. Everything. And one breath, one mindful, attentive breath can change everything about your day. It can change your conversations. It totally changes the conversations in the middle of a conversation to stop and say, I'm just going to take a breath for a second. And then you keep going. It's amazing how that redirects, you know, like in all these different ways. And it allows us to, to reconnect with ourselves, with our bodies, with that sense of, of gratitude, of appreciation. So I love, I, I spend a lot of time with my hand right there. And I think it's so important because as I speak, I can, I can feel the reverberation there. It calms the nervous system in a profound way. And so, you know, if you think when you're really stressed out and someone comes who you care for and trust and puts their hand just on your shoulder and just rest their hand there and you feel the, like just the weight of the hand a little bit, it's like, there you go. Mm -hmm. And so we can do that for ourselves. We don't have to wait. And that is a beautiful practice, I think. Absolutely. I so agree with you. And going back to gratefulness, not as a to-do list, (laughs) but as an orientation. And there's a practice that you mention in your writing that I just loved. And I want to share it with everyone and have you talk about it. It was a practice. We all have that to-do list. So like I might write down and you ask us, all right, write down five things that you have to do today. And I would write down, okay, to do, I need to describe this interview. To do, Mm -hmm. I need to join my women's group on a Zoom conference call. I need to blah, blah, blah. And so I need to, I need to, I need to. And then you say to go over that list and to cross off. I need to, I need to, I need to, and change the words to, I can, I, get I think to. is what I, I, I get I, to. I get to. I, I get, get to. to. Oh, That's so tell us, <laughs> tell us about like that reframing. It's a practice that, you know, other people have talked about. It's certainly not something I invented, but it's a core way to experience a perspective shift. And that's why I use it because perspective is everything. Because you can take in any given moment, nothing changes except for the way that you look at it. And so what you're saying is you can feel uh, that word beleaguered. We can feel beleaguered. It's such a powerful word. It's just like you just feel like your shoulders drop and you're carrying the yoke of the world. So that beleaguering is, I think, because we feel so done unto by life. We're at the effect of life. We're at the effect of what we have to do. We have to do. We have to do. And I find when I thought of using this and how to frame it, 
it was really because of this thing that I don't talk about very often, but it's that the more people we have in our lives, the more we're going to be caring for people, the more considerations we have. The more considerations you have, this is like a beautiful way to think about this. The more considerations you have, the more blessings you have in some ways, and the more responsibilities you have. So the fact of having people to consider as we make choices is such a gift and a blessing. And it also has that flip side of responsibility Mm. and obligation and a lot of caregiving and a lot of other things. And so what I want to try to do all the time is taking that sense of my considerations and my my considerations as blessings rather than obligations. Obligations is a burdensome I'm obligated to this. And so I I think it's very important for us to see the privilege. So it really is a place of I get to. Oh my God. You know, when I look at my list of what I have to do in a day and I think I get to do these things and I get to do them and I add on there often because I can. I can physically do these things. I have the mental capacity. I have, I can get in a car and drive somewhere to grocery shop. I have the ability to buy healthy food. I can cook, you know, so the things that sometimes feel so burdensome in a day, all the have tos, if we switch them to, I get to, because I'm actually alive today, I can do this. And someday I'm not going to be able to do these things. I didn't used to be able to do them. Not everyone can do them. And someday I won't be able to do them again. Can I really appreciate the ability to do these amazing things in my life that I do? Yeah. And it shifts everything. I'm just thinking, one of the things that I get impatient about is having to take the time to brush my teeth. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean like, I have so many things to do today. And and so what I've started to practice since I've really kind of been tuning in to gratefulness, mm. I am so grateful that I have teeth to brush. Totally. Oh, <laughs> my just, gosh. That just changes the whole thing, doesn't it? Yes. It does, because if we, anything else is taking it for granted, because the truth is, someday you won't have teeth, and a lot of people don't have teeth, and we actually were born without teeth, you know, so it's like, the fact that you have teeth is not to be taken for granted, and I think that's the thing, is how can we wake up to the things that we have, and be really aware of those things, as miraculous, as blessings, as exactly. gifts, as, and they're all temporary. They're all temporary and they're here right now. So can you go out and like hug the people, the things, the teeth, the your body, just like it yeah. is worthy of our greatest celebration and we shouldn't be quiet about it. And it shouldn't be something, <laughs> if you love your life, it should be palpable to you and the people around you if you treasure your life. Well, that takes me to the thought of community and mm. and gratefully recognizing all the people who make our life work. Mm. You know, the people who deliver our mail, uh, who build our roads, who, who make our clothing, grow our food. Mm. Um, you know, all of these people, we live in an extraordinary interconnection of community 
Yes. We, none of us live alone. We, we cannot survive by ourselves. Yes. Even if we lived absolutely without other human beings, we're living within nature and nature itself is supplying us with the oxygen we actually breathe. And all the food, you know, the food that the we food. eat and, and all of that, right? So I think recognizing those ties that bind us, recognizing the beauty of those ties and how much we actually rely on and take for granted. <laughs> so many people's services, the fact that we have internet, come on. The fact that we've got electricity, that we've got light, that we have running water, there are bazillions like endless numbers of people involved in the the gifts of civilization brother david calls us the developments that have got us to where we are right now the mm-hmm. people who are servicing the the services that we're able to take for granted in our daily lives can we spare a little bit of our appreciation for those people and the blessings of the the things that keep us going and how the idea of independence it's just, it's lunacy. Like when you talk about it, you know, the idea that like, oh, I'm independent. Uh, not at all. Not yeah. at all. I'm reminded, I know that you've worked closely with Lynn Twist. Yes. And we both have known her for many decades. And she really is someone who encourages us to cultivate sufficiency. And that mm-hmm. kind of goes against... Uh, the grain of all the ways that that advertising and and all the media barrage of media that says we're not enough, we're not mm-hmm. enough, and we need to get more to be more. And mm-hmm. and so I know that you probably have something to say about that. Mm-hmm. Well, I love Lynn. First of all, oh, we both oh, do. Yeah, and. Um, Contentment is a radical proposition, right? To really, to live. I think happiness is um, is a bit of a crock that we're sold. This whole idea of happiness is really, and well, and I should be really mindful about saying that. I think there's something deeper and more unconditional than happiness, and that is joy. And that joy is something that emanates from intrinsically. And this idea of what we need in order to be happy puts us it's, we're strong to a lot of things and it's something we have to pursue and blah, 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 right. blah. I, you know, Chrissy, I'm going to interrupt you for just a moment because I really want uh, to hear mm-hmm. more about this, but uh, I'm butting up against some time here. Sure. I'm speaking with Christy Nelson, mm-hmm. the author of Wake Up Grateful. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions.
I'm here with Christy Nelson. We're talking about the idea of happiness may not be the sustainable thing, but joy is something that is infinite, maybe more infinite in its possibility. Mm. And I think there's a lot, this is a much bigger conversation. It's a much bigger conversation because what we're, what we were rooting this in is this whole idea of sufficiency, you know, this concept of sufficiency and about contentment and about being enough and having enough and how radical that is. And I think it's really important to claim that because gratefulness wants us to notice what we already have and what already is around us and what's enough and what's, and the ordinary being extraordinary. Like that when we, live into that space, um, then there is this sense of it being more than enough, really, that if we start paying attention to what we already have, then we're not on that hamster wheel of acquisition and having to have more and better and improved in order to feel happy and the next thing. And so there's there's something really, really important about gratefulness and sufficiency going together. Well, I think that going back to earlier in our conversation when yes. we talked about the five guiding principles, appreciation is generative. Yes. And is that what you're talking about? It is. It is. And I think it's the whole, all of the principles relate to this in some way. So, um when you start really making an inventory of what's available to you to be grateful for in your life, starting with the body, the natural world, the relationships in your life, the service, you know, all the things that are helping us live the lives that we live. It's so vast what we can be in appreciation of. And that appreciation is an active state of being. Like we are asked to actively appreciate what we have, not just to walk right by all the things. And when we start to really live in active engagement and active appreciation with what we have, things come to life in different ways. Like suddenly we realize we don't need as much as we have. And it actually makes things happen when we appreciate them, right? It like it's not, it's very different than the law of attraction, but it's basically, it's a multiplier. It's a sustainer. It's something that, that brings things to life. Any relationship, if you want to see what happens, how to improve a relationship, cast appreciation uh-huh. on the relationship and on the person in your uh-huh. life all the time and see what happens so that things start to become more than enough. You have recast in ancient saying that's in all, practically all religions and and spiritual traditions, that's the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And you are recasting that in some way, Christy, and I'd love for you to share with us what your thinking is on that. Well, I call it the grateful rule, and partly it's because the golden rule always was confounding to me. When I, I did study with Harville Hendricks for a period of time, and the definition of love that he uses and is really about giving the other person exactly what it is that they need and not charging for it. So I think it's a really high, you know, it's a high watermark for, for love, and it's a, an important one. But 
the golden rule really is at odds with that because it's like, do unto others as you would have them do unto you is through that portal of our own, what it is that we're wanting. So if we're constantly going through that, as opposed to inquiring of someone, what is it that makes you feel loved? What is it that makes you feel cared about? What is it that makes you feel safe? And being interested in the fact that those are going to actually be different things than are true for us. And that that's rich and that that's beautiful and that we can then tend people in our lives and tend relationships so much better when we understand that grateful rule, which is do unto others as they would have you do unto them. <laughs> exactly. And what you're saying is that the the other way that that rule is, is stated do unto others as you as as you would have them do unto you. To you is very self-referential. Yes, exactly. It's it's like self, you're you're thinking of yourself. Whereas the gratefulness one do unto others as they would have you do unto them is like really acknowledging the other person. It's different from you and it maybe of different needs and being it it just opens up a kind of curiosity. It opens up conversation. Totally. It opens up kinship in another way. In a beautiful way. And it's so enriching. Our lives are so enriched by other people. Like, I mean, as opposed to walking around assuming that you need what I need, uh, that's just um, kind of, it's it keeps us so myopic. And as you say, mm. self-referential. And there's so much richness to really understanding what it is that other people need from us and in order to feel the things that we want people to feel in the, in life. Then uh, maybe I, I would like to talk about grief and loss uh, mm. because uh, we've talked a bit about uncertainty and impermanence. And um, going back to that word poignancy, grief can often put us, if we really allow it and really feel allow ourselves to feel it deeply it takes us to love yeah it does in some way i mean i i from my own experience when michael died i and i was in grief i remember feeling and this isn't intellectual it doesn't come from my brain from my cognitive mind it came i could feel it in my body and i i started to feel, oh, I'm so grateful that I can feel love, that I mm. can feel this grief because it's because I love so much. I loved him so much. It, it, I, I know that beautiful. you have thoughts of this. Yeah, I think, I think that I think grief can take us to love and I think love takes us to grief if we hold it with honesty that because the truth is, we're so vulnerable when we love and there is that awareness of the of the poignancy the fragility that 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 we have what we have for this moment and it's so exquisite and so love contains sorrow and sorrow contains love and joy and what we treasure um we don't grieve something we haven't been grateful for 
you know, and I think this, I think there's a lot of grief right now that's connected to loss and loss of individuals in our lives. There's a lot of people who are grieving, but loss of so many other things, loss of right now, I think our world is just in such a precarious state. And, and I think especially for young people, there are a lot of young people who are just living in a kind of perpetual sense of like a grief overlay you know, of just the promise that's been lost for them, that sense of possibility that feels lost and the dreams that they feel like they were supposed to be able to have in the futures. You know, there's just so much that feels really riddled right now. So I think there's something really important. I was thinking Ross Gay. Um, Ross Gay is such an exquisite writer and poet and beautiful man. And he talks all the time about sorrow and joy. And I talk about grief and gratefulness that they live in such intertwined companionship with each other. And if we can really be curious about how that all works, that our hearts are that big, that we can hold all of that. Um, I think we are, we're much the better for it. I think of a quote that that you used in, in your book from uh, Valerie Carr, and she says, mm. joy is the gift of love. Grief is the cost of love. Exactly. I think that that really kind of it me- is a measure of our capacity to love and to hold it. And I remember years ago, someone said to me, um, well, you know, one day you, you, you won't be with Michael anymore. And I thought, oh, I couldn't even conceive of that, of being told that. And he said, well, either you will die or he will die. Mm-hmm. And it's just like suddenly I... It, Woke up. Woke up. up. And mm-hmm. and then that leads to a kind of appreciation, doesn't it? It does. When somebody says something shocking to you and you realize you're just kind of going on automatic pilot here. And then you go, oh, right. One thing that I would say is that automatic pilot, the truth is when we're on automatic pilot in some way going through our lives, not deeply appreciating what is available to us and what's inside us and around us and the people and everything. We are taking those things for granted. And when we take things for granted, they are deadened to us. They are already dead. This is the thing is there is something about treasuring and that poignancy, which recognizes the beauty and the impermanence of everything that brings things alive. That's the ultimate paradox. So that's what you woke up to when that person said that is like, oh, wow, I'm walking around expecting that Michael's going to be here forever in some way. And if I don't take that for granted, suddenly I'm, I want to go be with him in a different way. I want to, yeah, it's just a beautiful way to go through life. Oh, beautiful. And what a great um, note to end on. I know we could go on and on. I just loved being with you. Thank you so much, Christy, for being with us today. I've been speaking with Christy Nelson. She's the author of Wake Up Grateful, The Transformative Practice of Taking Nothing for Granted. And if you want to know more about her work, you can go to her website, Christy nelson.net and she spells her name k-r-i-s-t-i christy nelson.net or you can get there through the new dimensions website newdimensions.org i'm justine willis toms 
You've been listening to New Dimensions. This is program number 3807. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine Willis-Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. For over four decades, New Dimensions has been producing weekly conversations at the leading edge. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. To find out more about the program you've just heard, to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and our New Dimensions and New Dimensions Cafe podcasts, and to access thousands of other programs in the New Dimensions archive, please visit our website, newdimensions.org. That's newdimensions.org. Or call us at 707-468-5215. That's 707-468-5215. Please join us next time as we explore New Dimensions.